This is the Friday, December 23, 2022 installment of the Market Analysis segment from Market to Market. We are recording our program a few days early to allow our staff and crew to travel safely during the holidays. Predictions of a blizzard and the conditions in the U.S. as long as well as dry weather in South America and a cheaper dollar all help push the commodity markets higher. As of Wednesday, December 21, the nearby wheat contract added 14 cents, while the March corn contract added 9 cents. Drought conditions in Argentina and continued buying by China helped keep the soy complex afloat. The January soybean contract improved a penny, while January meal dropped $7. March cotton expanded by $6.20 per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, January Class 3 milk futures increased $1.31. The livestock market was mixed as February cattle added $1.90. January feeders lost a nickel in the short week. And the February lean hog contract gained $2.40. In the currency markets, the U.S. dollar index cut 81 ticks. February crude oil expanded by 388 per barrel. Comex Gold strengthened by 26.90 per ounce in the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index. Well, that was higher by nearly nine points to finish at 597.80. Joining us now is regular market analyst Jeff French. Hi, Jeff. How are we doing, Paul? We're doing well. Wheat market's doing well, but it took a blizzard to get there. Is that the big story? Yeah, I think a couple things. That was the initial trigger. I mean, we began this week uh, in the wheat market uh, down over $5.30 from the May high. So this has been a story that's been selling off for many months. And technically, we had a good signal this week. Uh, we were able to close above the 20-day moving average for the first time in Kansas City and in Chicago wheat for the last two months. So that could probably trigger some fund short covering. Funds for the last three months have been short wheat looking for lower prices. Uh, but fundamentally, we had some favorable things. You know, the weather, cold temperatures coming in. You got 30% of the Kansas City wheat belt that's under winter kill threat. Uh, now, I do understand it, it is December, so it is awfully hard to kill wheat during this month. Um, but also, you have Ukraine. Ukraine wheat plantings down 40% compared to last year. Um, so there are some fundamental things as well as technicals that look like wheat is trying to put in a low down here. Uh, we spent this week covering shorts and uh, for uh, producers that have sold wheat at higher prices, this is a good place to start reowning it. So if we've reversed course, have we started a trend? And do you have a range on this trend? Well, I, I think it's, it's showing some life that we're at least for now done going down. I, I, would, I would phrase it that the easy money to the downside in the wheat is over. Um, and it, it's also what's going on politically. I mean, you have uh, the president of Ukraine over here in the U.S. this week uh, talking to Congress, um, you know, looking for more aid. You know, it looks like that conflict over there is not de-escalating. It looks like it's escalating. So that could trigger some, for, some fun short covering. And then also you had uh, some reinsurers in the Black Sea pull back. So they are, it's going to get more expensive uh, to ship vessels out of the Black Sea. Towards this high side, what do you see in the next, we'll give you six weeks? You know, I think if, if you can get 30 to 40 cents in the wheat, I'd be willing to take her on that. Uh, you do have some big numbers coming up. The, the uh, March Chicago up at $8, that'll be some resistance. Um, but 
with the funds as short as many contracts as they are, these short covering rallies can be extremely violent, especially in the next two weeks with these holiday weeks you have lower volume. Yeah, lower volume, lighter trade, yes. which is also impacting corn. Uh, last couple of weeks, it seems like wheat and corn have been tied together. Did the weather do anything for corn, or is it some of those other factors that you mentioned the, about Russia and Ukraine? And I, I think it all ties together, and, and you're absolutely right. Corn and wheat during the last six weeks have been correlated at 80% or more. So whatever wheat is doing, corn seems to follow. Um, now, vice versa, the funds, the funds are long corn. And it's going to be interesting to see when they come into the first year, are they going to add to that position, defend that position, and move this thing higher? You know, personally, I think this corn right now is sitting up from a technical standpoint that we could rally another 15, 20 cents pretty quick. And given, okay, we're looking at the March contract. By then, we're going to know what uh, the big report that comes in January. Do you think some of these positions are going to be made before that report or after? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a big one. Uh, you know, that January report kind of sets the stage for the next couple of winter months. But also what's going to be the driver is the South American weather. And right now, there are some problem areas, but in the bigger, larger growing areas, they're setting up pretty good. So that could weigh on uh, the futures price right now. But from a technical standpoint, this corn and this wheat looks like it wants to rally here. We have another fundamental story that we need to bring in, and we're going to bring this one in via social media and where it came in. This one, uh, Scott in Wisconsin asked us via Facebook, is Mexico serious about only buying non-GMO corn by 2025? You know, I think we're, time will tell. I mean, they're serious enough that they want to start the conversation, um, but I think, you know, availability and price of non-GMO corn uh, will dictate if they're, if they're serious or not. Um, and then we have the backup if, you know, we could take them to court against our trade agreements. So uh, we have a lot of time, uh, but I think if you look at it from a price standpoint and availability, uh, you know, it's very expensive for non-GMO and how much of that out there is available. Now, they've already come out and said, hey, we will still feed non-GMO corn uh, to our livestock. Um, but by 2025, they're trying to get out from uh, human consumption. So time will tell, but uh, uh, if I was a betting man, I would say, uh, you know, they're not going to be able to source enough non-GMO. Unless, but we find out if the market dictates different radical policy changes, planting strategies in the United States, and again, it's, it's market related if you're willing to pay, but I don't know if, are there that many farmers in America willing or able to fill that need? No, no. I, as of right now, there, there aren't, and, and most of the non-GMO corn is, is spoken for, so it's not uh, available for export. So again, I, I think this is a moving target, and you know we got over a year to see where it goes. Let's talk about soybeans. That's next on the big hit parade. Uh, rough Monday, but then Tuesday, Wednesday, a little better. Why? You know, I think the, the beans are just range-bound. Uh, you know, they break down to 1460 in the March, and then we rally up to 1480, 1490 area. Um, you know, you look above 15 and it's just a wall of resistance up there. You know, I think we've traded above it twice since June. Uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of resistance up there and we're transitioning now. I mean, I know domestically demand is off the charts. It's excellent. But now we are transitioning now to where South America becomes center of focus. I mean, you know, you're going to see pictures and videos next week of combines rolling in the northern parts of Brazil next week combine. 
it really heats up January 15th to February 15th. That is their main time. So, you know, I, I think moving forward here, um, you know, the beans are going to be tough. And one of the biggest points is, uh, you know, the Brazilian farmers have old crop beans left over. It's estimated they, they have four to five million metric tons of old crop beans that have to come to market before their harvest. So, you know, they're looking at 150, 180 million bushels of beans that they need to move out here in the next six weeks. So I, I think the beans, if one thing is, uh, they're going to have the toughest challenge moving higher from these levels. And, and like you said, the whole hitting your head against 15 is just uh, clearly something's there and it hasn't busted through unless something else happens. But maybe it is uh, Phil in Dresden, Ontario's question. Jeff's already kind of touched a little bit on it in South America, but let's ask uh, this specifically. How are South American crops looking? You talked about Brazil a little bit. Maybe let's talk about Argentina and their supply. Will that mitigate any global supply concerns at present price levels? What calendar timelines should farmers use when to expect these supplies to come on stream? And how much 23 crops should be priced now? A lot of questions there, but uh, South American crops, I sat in on a uh, scout crop uh, conference uh, call this week. Uh, his one word answer for Brazil beans was outstanding. Uh, we were also asked him, what is Brazil lacking on moisture percentage wise? He thinks 10 to 15% of the entire country of Brazil is lacking on moisture. With more rains this week, a lot of rain uh, forecasted to fall, so we'll see if they actually do fall. But, uh, you know, looking at 23, uh, November beans up here, again, that wall of resistance is at $14. So I have no problem being 30 for 40% covered. Uh, and then on the remaining bushels that you expect to produce, go down, go out there, get through the South Carolina weather and buy a cheap put option in case this thing moves lower. Um, but yeah, do, can, can Brazilian crops mitigate, mitigate the, uh, you know, crop shortage throughout the world? You know, time will tell. Um, but as of right now, um, you know, they're looking at probably 148 to 152 million metric ton crop. They are shooting for, you know, a 5.6 billion bushel bean crop. So it's, it's a big one. Well, do you remember a time when we've been so tight on a global scale? I mean, we, we talk about maybe not the best crops in the United States the last couple of years, and you, I had a family member tell me over the weekend, say, if we don't produce at least trend line, we're going to be hurting, especially he was talking about the cattle feeder uh, next year. I mean, so we're in a precarious spot where we actually need Brazil and South America to produce. And you, you've seen price, you know, prices, when, when you have a short crop, price is responsible for demand destruction you know it's got to go to a point where you start to see demand start to come down and you know we've seen big run-ups and we'll have to see if the demand holds up with that we didn't even mention china but we'll discuss that we have a couple of questions about that for market plus let's talk about the other c uh commodity and that's cotton this has been in a bearish trend for a long time after having a great run uh, let's see in our shortened week six dollars up seven and a half percent can the party continue on cotton? You know, it's, it's been a very violent move up. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the stock market. Stock market had a pretty good risk on, buy everything type of day here uh, midweek. Uh, it's got to get, March has got to get above 90 cents and then this thing can probably run pretty good. Um, but you look at the new crop, uh, December 23 cotton, you know, it just doesn't work at 83 cents when you have $14 beans. So, you know, a long time to come here. But I, I think this cotton needs to move higher to buy acres, especially away from $14 beans. So I, I look for it to move higher. 
And that's what it did last year. But yeah, we're far from that yeah. right now. A lot of time. Uh, livestock, back to the blizzard. Is that impact? I mean, trade was light. It's also holidays. Uh, but live cattle wise, I mean, cash has been performing well. Futures too? Uh, cattle made a fresh eight year high today. Uh, you know, this is rare error. But yeah, it's a weather rally. Uh, we have two weeks of holidays right now. The packer is short bought uh, with these storms uh, making logistics extremely tough for the cattlemen. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to be the first one to sell here. I mean, this, the charts look good. There's no reason that I see that the charts can't run up to the uh, November 2014 highs in that 170 area. Not meaning that we're going to, but from a chart standpoint, uh, this price action looks very friendly. Now, from a producer standpoint, you know, we've been here before, but we didn't spend too much time up here. So this is a time for producers to use the rally to get some hedges down lower uh, in case the economy in the next six months doesn't stand as tough as we think it will. If I'm the, the, the cattleman right now, am I having to pay attention during Christmas and New Year's? Is this going to move quickly then, or do you see it more in January? Well, I, I think they never... You know they don't stop paying attention every every t any time, uh, but yeah, when you you're when you're putting in eight year highs, uh, you need to be paying attention. All right, all right. Uh, live or uh, feeders now, it's tough to feed in in the conditions that we're seeing, we, but we but we're seeing some moisture in some of those areas. Does that give you reason to believe what? Cattle on feed reports and anecdotal stories of that, yes, there is more holdback in, in some of these feeders right now. You know, the, the feeders have had an excellent rally. I mean, we're, we're up here at multi-year highs. Um, you know, f and I, I just take a step back and I, I look at the feeder cattle, I, ha I have to look at corn prices. And in the near term, you know, I think the, the corn could rally here in the next three to four weeks, which could put feeder cattle under pressure. The, the number to watch is 182 in that January. And uh, we closed above it here this week, but if we start taking that out, uh, that opens the door pretty quick to five or $7 pullbacks. But you know, the, fundamentally this cattle uh, complex is in strong hands and it's gonna be for the next probably 12 to 18 months. Um, so use pullbacks to buy, um, but uh, don't be chasing rallies. Are you chasing any rally in, in hogs? You know, again, new contracts highs in, in the deferreds. Um, you know, we got a hog and pig report end of this week. Uh, weights are down. PD is still rearing its head around there. So, um, you know, I think the hogs kind of want to get into the cattle rally here, what we saw this week. Um, you know, I, I just look at, you know, China. I mean, the hog prices in China here the last two weeks have dropped 25%. Uh, we've seen a real big pullback in exports. So I look at you know, the deferred contracts above $100 in the hogs, again, uh, these are good places to be putting some hedges on. There was a report today about U.S. net farm income in the Wall Street Journal saying that it is going to be 100, let me get this right, 160.5 billion this year, boosted by increased price, uh, prices for farm goods ranging from wheat to milk. As we sit around the holiday table, is it a good time in rural America to be in agriculture? Oh, I think it is. I mean, Anytime you can be in agriculture is a good time. I mean, there are tougher times, but uh, it's always a good time. Um, it, it's going to be an expensive crop, but uh, uh, the last uh, few, few years have been extremely profitable, and uh, uh, I think there's better years to come, and yeah, it's a good time to be. Are there things I can do to make it merrier in 23? You know, I think you get, I think you get some 
crops sold here. I mean, you got December 23 corn uh, right now is 50 cents higher than it was this time last year and $1.50 higher than two years ago this time. So we are at elevated levels, and uh, I think you get a little bit of new crop booked here. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll put that in your stocking, uh, uh, a couple of 23 calls. How about that? All right. All right. Jeff French, everybody, thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. And we are going to put a pause on this analysis and continue our discussion. Yes, we have more to go in Market Plus. Find that on our website of markettomarket.org. We have that in podcast and also on YouTube. All of these resources are free, by the way. If you're getting a chance to relax at home during the holiday season, put your feet up and catch up with some of our podcasts. We have three options, the Market Analysis, the Market Plus, and the MTOM. That's where you go. Follow today to get your podcast. That's where you go if you want to get your podcast. Next week, we are going to look at the highs and lows of agriculture during 2022. Thank you so much for watching and have a great week.